hello dan uh, adam uh, hello that's weird there's no one here the studio's empty hello man it really is true dan said he was gonna go away after the election and he really did nigon what are you doing here adam oh she thank god i found you uh, wait why is the studio so empty everyone's been out during our uh, cjnu annual fundraising drive what what are you doing here mate uh i'm here to tape the podcast to uh, where's dan he's in uh an undisclosed location probably driving around florida or sitting on a beach or i don't know doing something that's not the podcast Oh yeah, that's fine. I guess uh, I, I guess I'll just have to carry the show by myself this week. Uh, okay, first order of business is we should rename it. It should be the Negon, me, myself, and I show. Sweet. Uh, do you need me to change the intro for that? Oh, it's fine. Uh, maybe one day Dan will come back to us, and until then, I'm I get his pay, right? Pay? You guys get paid for this? What? I, nobody uh, ever hold, told uh, me. Hold. Adam, just never mind. Uh, just hit the music. The Winnipeg Free Press proudly presents, in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM, Nigan and the Lone Ranger. Here are your hosts, Nigan Sinclair and Dan the Lone Ranger Let. Welcome to the podcast, uh, and we've got a feature interview here with a good friend of mine uh, who is well known to any of you that uh, tune into APTN and watch. Uh, Dennis Ward is Métis from Southern Manitoba. Uh, he has experience in Alberta and Ontario, uh, finally coming back to APTN in 2014. Uh, he's the host producer of APTN National News and a show called Face to Face, which is a great show if anyone can catch it. Started that in 2017, and you're an award winner, uh, the Canadian Screen Awards too, nominated uh, in different categories over there for your anchor work. Welcome to the Negon and Lone Ranger podcast, Dennis Wart. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, award winner, award loser. <laughs> award winner, award loser. Uh, yeah, that's the fun thing about those awards is you go way off to these uh, ceremonies and then you have to watch other people win. Unfortunately, every year that I was nominated for a CSA so far has been a COVID year, so they didn't even happen. We just had oh. to watch them on TV. <laughs> didn't even get to, we had our rooms booked at the Sheraton in Toronto and like didn't even get to go. Yeah, well, that's sad. <laughs> that's uh, probably better though. Maybe in the end it all worked out for the best. So Yeah. Uh, so let's get started. Uh, Dennis, we're in the midst of a pretty crazy would we say four days in the indigenous world since uh, the coming out or the the kind of explosion of the story around Buffy St. Marie and her uh, possible non-indigenous identity, indigenous identity. I mean, I think the jury's still out on this. Uh, you've been watching this unfold throughout throughout the week uh what do you think about this you know as, as the national broadcaster on indigenous issues uh this was not broken by aptn but certainly i think that you guys had heard about this um it was by the other broadcaster the other public broadcaster uh what what do you think about all of this uh yeah four or five days wow eh? it feels like forever i mean my 
social media, Facebook in particular, as we know, is, you know, such an important social media for Indigenous peoples. I don't think there is any discourse on there aside from this, it seems like for the last few days. It's it's uh, been very divisive. Um, you know, there's people have taken sides over this uh, on whether they believe what's in the documentary or, or don't care what's in the documentary. Um, and it's been hurtful for a lot of people, whether they're people in the music industry, uh, people who are 60 scoop survivors. Um, yeah, it's been uh, very divisive um, and hurtful for a lot of people. I mean, it came out on, on Friday afternoon at two in the afternoon. And so at work, you know, people were trying to catch bits and pieces of it uh, while they could there on Friday. And like people were feeling physically sick by what they were seeing. So, yeah, it's been uh, quite a few, quite a couple days for sure. I, I cannot, you know, explain more to our listeners. I mean, we have listeners from all across the world. Uh, some people may not have heard about this uh, documentary that was released on Friday by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, CBC. Um, and they have an sh investigative show called Fifth Estate. And they spend one hour investigating usually issues of uh, sales fraud and scandals in the government and so on. Uh, they dedicated an entire hour to uh, exposing, I guess the right word to describe, the, the kind of complicated history of Buffy St. Marie, world-renowned singer who's claimed to be Cree for a long period of time from the Piapot First Nation in Saskatchewan. And the, the amount of uh, trauma triggers and issues that this has brought up for people in the Indigenous world, it cannot be spoken enough of how uh, complicated this issue is because it brings up issues of adoption. Um, she's to be an adoptee from 1941. Uh, she's claimed to then be adopted into a Cree community. So it goes into issues of sovereignty and the ways Indigenous peoples can claim an Indigenous or non-Indigenous person. And then, of course, just the whole idea of uh, this is one of the biggest icons in our area. How how would APTN have handled this story differently? Have you watched the documentary? I have, yeah. yeah. Do you notice anything that maybe APTN might have done a little bit differently or maybe would have asked a question? Because I was on a show this morning where the three Indigenous journalists, myself included, said that if there had been an Indigenous reporter leading this, it might have gone in a different direction. Right. I mean... I think it's worth saying that there were Indigenous peoples obviously involved in this. Um, some of those people are also controversial. And I mean, I remember one of the people that I think is kind of who spearheaded this all in the background. I remember there being a Facebook post about this a little over a year ago, probably. And everybody in our newsroom had seen it and it had caused a stir then. So I think other people were also, you know, looking into this story. Um, you know, what I would have liked to have hoped that maybe we would have done or that could have been more of a focus is, um, and I'm sure they tried to speak with the community and I'm sure they tried to speak with Natanis, who, you know, is a former APTN journalist and, and these are people we know right like 
that's the other thing about this all. Um, I would have liked to have seen, you know, tell me more about custom adoptions. Like, tell me more about these adoptions and, and speak to people from the community out there and family members and stuff. And I'd like to think that we would have maybe gone down that road a little, at least. Because um, that doesn't seem to even come up really in this uh, documentary. And, I mean, you know, they, maybe this. They do talk to the chief. And, but um, I thought Kim Wheeler, who uh, everyone, um, you know, well known producer, has worked with Buffy St. Marie, is a really well known figure in the Manitoba Indigenous community. Uh, she pointed out that you wouldn't go ask a mayor or a premier about an individual. It's kind of a silly pre pre premise. Uh, why didn't we? Why didn't the CBC speak to the family? Certainly, an Indigenous journalist would have certainly been served a lot more accountability than I think uh, someone in Regina might face. Yeah, and you know, Kim also spoke about, and so have others spoken about their own adoption records and birth certificates and things like that. And there seemed to be a lot of emphasis on this uh, woman, the keeper of the records there in Massachusetts, who was like, she's the be all and end all. What she says, that's just, that's it. Like, I'm pretty sure different states do it differently. I'm sure different provinces hold these records and everything differently. And I felt like there was a huge emphasis on, well, this woman just told you there there's no chance and that's it we don't even need to finish the next 20 minutes of this documentary it's over that's right. so like I, I think there could have been i i need to like know like are there different th ways that this happens and it seems that way like people who were adopted out here in canada have made their own posts on how difficult it's been to you know find their own records and if the reliance is solely, I mean, that's completely and solely. I mean, the argument is in the other uh, part of the documentary is that her, I think it's safe to say estranged family um, is pretty adamant that she was born in Massachusetts, that she, her claims to indigenous identity are fraudulent. I mean, they, that's what the family is claiming that she grew up with. Uh, the complicatedness of that relationship is only lightly touched upon as well. And I think uh, the big question I think everyone really wonders is why now? Uh, why, why suddenly has this become an issue? She's retired. She's 82. Uh, she's not performing any longer, but uh, I mean, what is her role really in the indigenous world other than just to be an elder and somebody who's uh, not really maybe impacting anyone as much, much as it would have been, let's say, during award ceremonies or when she was out selling albums or I mean, that seems like when that story maybe should have come out. Right. And they do say like they've been working on it for a year or whatever. And I, and I can't remember if it's the CBC story or. You know, obviously, people who worked on the CBC story leaked all the the information to people over at Indians.com. And it was one of the stories that mentioned, you know, that her stepping aside from performing may not be a, a health thing, that it was more related to what's what was going on in the background with this investigation. Uh, you pointed out something I think really interesting on social media and for our listeners uh, there may not be completely familiar with the indigenous world and the way it kind of operates, but uh, the way often mainstream media operates is they get a story and then it's kind of, they hold it or they'll drop some hints which is what CPC did on the Monday before the documentary came out on the Friday. 
and, and it's supposed to be embargoed. Anyone who hears about it, you're not allowed to talk about it. But that's not really the way the Indigenous world works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, suddenly it started appearing on indigenous websites uh indigenous news agencies uh as you mentioned this website called indians.com uh i I mean it was certainly something spoken about in the indigenous world and and people were already writing stories about it uh days before the documentary came up yeah i mean we had a story up uh, on like Wednesday or Thursday was the first story we had up on it because um, some of these pieces that are part of this puzzle were in the hands of of some of our investigative team as well, too. So I don't know how uh, the public broadcaster felt about everybody beating them to their their own story in some ways. I mean, you couldn't replicate a year's worth of investigation, although um, Indians.com really had, I think, pretty much everything handed over to them by the looks of it and, and really had the story pieced together as well. So, yeah, I was wondering what was going through the minds of the people over there thinking like, maybe we should move up the date or something on this. And, and I don't know that they typically like, I don't watch the fifth estate every week. Do they typically do an afternoon YouTube premiere? I don't know that that's a thing. So um, I wonder if that's why they maybe moved that up also because as was pointed out in that story, you can't watch uh, you wouldn't be able to watch it in the U S aside from on the YouTube. And I think there was a lot of people south of the medicine line with a lot of interest in this as well. Uh, that brings me to, uh, you know, like, I mean, that story is still un- unfolding. And so I think, I think everybody wants more to hear more from Buffy herself uh, because of the, the gaps and the questions. But that brings me to what I think is uh, a critical role that APTN plays within the media world. And that's really one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. Uh, we don't have Dan on with us this week uh, because he pointed this out to me. He said that, uh, he wants to know about the kind of conversations that are in your newsroom uh, versus what maybe would take place at the free Winnipeg free press or CBC or CTV, or um, I was just going to tell you about my, this assignment that I do with my students. Uh, I do this thing with my students where uh, I get them to watch the first half an hour of the CBC national. And then I'll get them to watch the first half an hour of APT and national news on the same day. And I'll say, where are the stories? What are the stories? How are the stories being told? And it is fascinating to do that, to, 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 to line the two shows up and to see, uh, on, I can remember one assignment we did where uh, national issue around um, carbon pricing was the lead story. And the lead story in APTN was, grandmother teaches granddaughter to bead. <laughs> and, uh, what is the difference between APTN, for someone who's just kind of scrolling through the channels, uh, what's the difference between APTN and what we say mainstream news? Well, and I think you and I were part of um, a live event where you would have seen exactly the difference. Um, and that was September 30th. You were on the desk live with us there. And there came a point where, you know, all the, all the networks are broadcasting this. And I think there was 18 uh, broadcasters doing the September 30th uh, event, uh, including ourselves. And there was coming up a point, it was running late, which these things do. And so the producers were giving the networks an out. And they're like at the top of the hour, you can cut out and you can see all the, all the broadcasters' logos were popping up. Like you could see that they were all gonna. Actually, ran the it. credits, didn't they? There was yeah. like 
they're, they're running the credits to on on this was the national day of truth reconciliation uh famously called orange shirt day and this is the big huge thing in ottawa that you know singers dancers uh, a lot of ceremony for lost children at residential school and yeah they run the credits and then and then what happens um well i assume they all popped out but what was going on was there, a residential school survivor was speaking at this very moment that all these networks are just going to, you know, it's this big day and we're all promoting, we're all airing this special, but you only get 60 minutes because we're out of here after that. Or I think it was 90 this year. And I, we were saying in the studio, like, we're not cutting out in the middle of this residential school survivors speaking in Ottawa in front of all these people. So we hung on to it for, I don't know, it was maybe only three more minutes and she finished her speech. And then we, we cut out and we came back to us in studio and stuff, but I guarantee you not one other network didn't air their rerun of the littlest hobo uh, on time. Right. Like it, they, they cut out when they were allowed to cut out. So I think that's a, a pretty glaring, uh, um, you know, the difference between APTN and some of the other networks is I bet they didn't even consider maybe we should hang on here and, and listen until the survivor's done speaking. They just, they had to get to whatever they were going to air. Is that, the, is that the main difference between being inside of the Indigenous community and outside of the Indigenous community? Because uh, I, I'm facetious when I say that, you know, uh, somebody teaching a daughter how to bead is, uh, is, you know, like it may not seem like news to someone, let's say, in a major urban metropolitan city, but that that's about resisting residential schools. That's about fighting uh, the ongoing trauma for Indigenous women and girls. Uh, that's about a community that revitalizing itself so that it can become economically self-sufficient like that little glimpse into a life of what's happening between a grandmother and a granddaughter is really, uh, and then the bigger picture of all the different political issues, world issues, economic issues. That's kind of what APTN is there for, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, some of the stories that we had last week about <clears throat> hide tanning and um, just trying to think of some of the other ones that, you know, the cultural stories like you're just never going to see something like that on on another network i can't imagine um like we have uh i don't know if the story ran on the weekend yet or not but like skinning a, a deer and prepping it for this meal out in Sagin and stuff like that like you're just not going to see a full four minute long story on the importance of all of this uh anywhere else i don't think and when you talk about some of those other issues like MMIWG and stuff, like everybody covers those now, which I think is in part to, uh, you know, APTN having been doing that for the last 23, 24 years and, and bringing that uh, to light more. But sometimes um, we won't have that same story on that same day because we will be taking the time to, you know, check in with other people uh, related to that story and, and, uh, yeah, we're just going about it maybe in a different way than, well, this is the, the two-minute story of the day. Let's get it up there on our 6 o'clock newscast and not think about, you know, what the bigger repercussions, ramifications are. Is that why you came back to APTN? Is that is that your, uh, I mean, you've been there now for going almost on to a decade and, uh, you, but you worked in other agencies, other news channels, uh, is that what motivated you to come back to Manitoba? Well, my family is in Manitoba, 
um, the way that I came to APTN was they were set to launch uh, Thunder Bay Bureau. I was working at the TV station in Thunder Bay. And like if anywhere needed a, a Thunder Bay Bureau, it was like APTN needed a Thunder Bay Bureau. Um, there was a lot going on there. Uh, so I'd applied for that job and I didn't end up getting it. Um, but they're like, hey, do you want to? We have a, a mat leave position in Winnipeg. Do you want to come? And it's like, uh, yeah, okay, let's let's do this. And then, like two months into the mat leave, they're like, well, we'll just keep you on here. And uh, the balls just uh, kept rolling, I guess, ever since then. But um, I mean, it took me over a decade to make my way back to Manitoba, so I jumped at the opportunity there for sure. And a lot of people might not know this, but I encourage you to you know check out Dennis on either one of the shows that he hosts. Uh, one of the nicest dressed guys on TV, like, like really, like you have a real sensibility about yourself. I, as somebody who has absolutely no fashion sense at all, uh, you have a real, uh, do you help? Do you have, does someone talk to you about this? Do you get coaching? You just do uh, There's a video out there that I just shot last week that thankfully nobody, but the company will see is, um, the company that owns winners and and marshals are uh, sponsors of our clothing and so thanks to my sales team for making that happen and uh yeah i've figured out a way to dress myself but um i'm lucky to to have a sponsorship for the clothing and people who do my makeup so that i don't look like this uh on tv <laughs> well, uh, we are taping this on a Sunday morning. Um, I want to talk to you about something else that uh, I talked a lot about during the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we didn't see each other for a couple of years because, uh, you know, you went out and had children on me and or, you know, I said to me the other day that, like, you've expanded your family because we hadn't seen each other for such a long time during the pandemic. And, you know, I said I wrote a little piece during the pandemic that said that APTN viewership went up 28% uh, during the pandemic and uh, APTN kind of grew up. I mean, uh, that's my opinion, not yours, my opinion, that APTN went from being this some this uh, some somewhat of a um, outside of the center channel to something everyone had to watch for the mere sake that the pandemic was so deeply impacting Indigenous communities. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what it was like to work uh, at APTN when you were watching this disease rampage through Indigenous communities, the military being sent up north, and uh, the fact that in long-term long, range, uh, long facilities, elders were dying, entire encyclopedias of communities were passing away. Yeah, um, like I'll never forget, we were in <clears throat> uh, Saskatoon, my shooter and I, um, for the Junos and out there doing um, some episodes of Face to Face, we had Adrian Sutherland, a uh, musician from Attawapiskat, was out there. And we did one with uh, Don Worm and, you know. Um, famous, and, lawyer, famous lawyer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, there was, things were happening. Like, people didn't know what was happening. But then we get back to the hotel and everybody's leaving. It's like, yeah, we the Junos are over. They're not happening. People are getting on flights. They're getting out of here. And, um it was, we we left the next day and we didn't even know if we were coming into the building um, to work or to drop off the gear and stuff. Like we're, everybody was still trying to figure it out. And yeah, it was weird times because we're a small crew. So like we lose two or three people in Winnipeg and it's like, I don't know how we would do a show almost some days. So um, 
And in terms of, of the coverage and watching the things that happened, I mean, I think there's so many stories to still be told about that and what the impact of all that was, uh, the government response, community res- responses. I think we saw that uh, a lot of First Nations, um, you know, they shut down their communities and, and took matters into their own hands as nations that they are and, you know, made up their own rules in the way that they they thought necessary. But here in the city, I mean, it was just ravaging these these long-term care homes and other places that, that a lot of Indigenous peoples live in. And um, yeah, a lot of people were lost, like you say, encyclopedias of families. And I think that that's a huge, huge story that's still just waiting out there um, for people to tell the true impact of that. <clears throat> yeah. The, uh, the, I wrote a piece about the loss of uh, the musician Shingus and uh, mm. uh, Curtis Johnny uh, and uh, the, the whole, the fact that he in many ways was one of the founders of indigenous music in, in both Canada, and the United States. I mean, just coming from a, a massive uh, um, challenges in her in his life, but yet somehow made it to these uh, huge, huge places in music and the music industry. And then it would always bring it back to Manitoba. Always still host shows in Manitoba. Uh, the amount of creativity that took place during the pandemic was something that I think APTN brought to the table and brought everyone to a higher level. Like I'm thinking about the TikTok dance offs between at the uh, the blockades that people mm-hmm. be doing between communities. And then I'm also thinking about the, the videos that, uh, that uh, elders would be sending out to young people to put on your masks and, and quite funny videos that, um, and then, you know, and then all the other different uh, mu- music that was done and so on. And, and then what I think the evidence of that, that APTN did to bring light or to bring the, uh, the exposure to humor and creativity in indigenous communities dealing with trauma was the merman movement and that yeah. you guys ran that merman story for a number of times yeah yeah well um didn't you do one uh, i did a big story on the merman too no i mean didn't you do a, a merman photo oh. shoot <laughs> i did not i think you and i were joking one time that we were going to do one if we if we i said if so you many... did one i would do one <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm kind of glad that challenge has has passed on uh, and we didn't do that all speaking to passing on though uh yeah rest in power to to shingoose man i i got to spend some time with him in his home here in in, in the long-term care home here that he was in um prior to his death obviously when uh, native north america that album came out and that was uh, a great way to have honored him in the way that the things that he's done i would have it's too bad that this was during the pandemic because talk about somebody who deserves like an hour-long special on tv about you know the impact he was on tv when i was growing up here in the city and just to he's worked with some of the biggest musicians in on the globe and um yeah, I, I hope there is somebody out there that's working on a shin goose documentary right now because it's too bad that um that he's gone and and it came during a time when nobody could really get together or or do anything like that um but yeah i mean that's the other thing is um and duncan McHugh and i just did a face-to-face a couple weeks ago talking about you know how there's only the the uh 
the the angry Indian or the um, I forget how else he was saying it. You know, there's only three portrayals of indigenous peoples in uh, the media, in the mainstream media. And yeah, to see like, you know, we're the ones that do a lot of these types of funnier stories because, uh, you know, humor is such a big thing. And so that's another one of them. Cultural stories, humorous stories like you're probably not going to see those on a mainstream network. You're you're going to see like the MMIWG and, and residential school stories more often. Do you think that uh, this is illustrative of uh, the way APTN, by covering issues, um, I'm thinking, you know, the last federal election in 2019, and uh it was a huge moment for for me as somebody who works in indigenous media because uh, indigenous stories were in the prime ministerial debates as one of the five topics that has never happened before and right. your colleague former colleague uh, melissa ridgen um got to participate in the national prime ministerial debate i mean that's never happened before either aptn's never got a seat at the table right. uh and do you think that, you know, over the decades that APTN has been in operation, going all the way back to 1991, uh, APTN's sort of got this 30-year finally hitting, playing with the big the big kids at the table kind of thing, or the big adults at the table of national media. And do you think it's because of things like elections and doing these stories? And do you think that there's... Uh, Will it will APTN go back to being off the big table, or will are they here to stay? Um, you know, I hope we stay at the big table. Uh, when you talk about that election, I mean, yeah, that was a huge thing. Um, I think Melissa and I were just talking about this recently. I was talking to somebody about it, but you know, at the end of the day, it was it was still eight minutes. It was an important eight minutes for sure, but it was eight minutes. Um, it'd be nice if we could have an hour with the leaders to just focus on indigenous issues. Um, but anyways, yeah. Um, you know, uh, we get ratings every week and they're somewhat believable, I guess. They don't look into some of our bigger markets. Like they, you don't see, well, oh, here's the Saskatoon ratings. Like that's just not something that the people who look at TV ratings look into. Um, but I think we had like one of our biggest weeks of since we've been keeping track of, of ratings. And I think part of that is, um, you know, in the investigates team and, and the news and how important it is to, especially with the loss of Facebook right now, like we said earlier, like Facebook is, you can't even talk about how important uh, Facebook is to indigenous peoples. I don't think like, um, so that's a big loss and not just for us. I mean, we did a story on some of the smaller newspapers and, and stuff like that, indigenous newspapers and communities and stuff. And they're just taking crazy hits because of the loss of Facebook. Um, but also, you know, on the programming side, uh, you know, things partnering with these other networks seems to be uh, going well. Um, a show like Little Bird, a six-part miniseries on the 60s scoop um a show like that uh, a comedy like acting good like these are bones and crows uh things that aptn's partnering up with other networks in order to to do some of these bigger productions and i think that's uh having a big impact too 
um, and bringing the eyes to the TVs, but also like some of these more cultural programs, like um, some of our indigenous cooking shows and stuff like that. Crazy like links, like these are like top three in our, our ratings above like a repeat viewing of smoke signals or something. Right. So <clears throat> yeah, I think just all around there's more people hopefully paying attention. Yeah, there's. I think there's a there's an overall awareness of uh, even you know even as someone who's kind of straddles between networks, I'm I'll often appear on CBC, and there's a particular demographic. Like when I'm on an airplane and somebody recognizes me, I know exactly what show it's on. <clears throat> but interestingly enough, um, the the viewership of APTN is noticeably younger, and that that's interesting because I think that APTN doesn't. Uh, our APTN appeals to a different demographic than is the typical TV watcher. If you look at most people that are streaming, young people tend to stream and they're not watching like scheduled news. But yet whenever I do get recognized off APTN, it's always a younger person. Always. Uh, That's interesting. I mean, that's interesting. That says that there's a viewership of APTN, which is very much like the indigenous community overall, much younger and that may, that sort of gives make, maybe maybe we're all hip after all, or you're certainly hip. Yeah, and, and I mean, APTN is into the streaming game with Lumi. So if you're wanting to binge the North of sixty series, uh, which I did before it moved over to Lumi, uh, like um, there's a lot of, of hipper younger shows over on, on that streaming service too. I. Uh, so just to end off here, uh, there's a few big months coming up for you uh, with the national news team. Uh, you're going to cover the uh, upcoming national election or the national chief election at the Assembly of First Nations. Um, uh, for those viewers or listeners that don't know, uh, we're having a an early vote for the national chief because the old national chief was removed forcibly from office quite in a kind of bit of a scandal. Uh, and so APTN will be right there to cover the national chief election. Uh, is What else are the big issues you think on the horizon for APTN that you'd be covering? Yeah, I wonder, um, <clears throat> I never thought about this. So it's probably only going to be like a two-year term, right? So we're going to be done one election and almost right into the, the next one, though, when you think about it, um, for a national chief, that is. Um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be... Uh, a big thing we're we're up to five candidates uh gonna be five candidates come next week um and i think they'll maybe be more oh so what was the cutoff date actually so we'll know i guess by like wednesday or so eh yeah wednesday's the cutoff so yeah wednesday's the cutoff i mean the fact is that you've also got potentially a federal election coming up uh where it will be very much a referendum on justin trudeau uh, I wouldn't say this is going to be a, a big issue uh, around are the other parties interesting. I think this is going to be a referendum on Justin Trudeau and one of his major pillars has been on Indigenous issues. So no doubt that'll be something you guys will be talking about. Or Absolutely. I mean, um, I think a lot of people, uh, political organizations maybe uh, more so, uh, might be worried about what the... Like, it looks like Trudeau, if the election were held today, would be gone. Um, But I think you would have to say that the last, uh, you know, under Trudeau, the Indigenous issues, the money going towards Indigenous issues is 
been historic. Um, and I don't know that there's many that might want some of those things to end uh, because you don't know what's going to happen, right? Like when you compare to, I guess, uh, the Harper days, um, at least for these political organizations, those were dark days, right? Um, near near collapse days. And now you look at, like, the MMF for one is one that I always look at the budget for, right? And if you go back to prior to Trudeau, it was a budget around, I think it was like $9 million annually or something. Now you're talking like $250 million a year, which is going towards, I mean, they're, they're buying property in downtown Winnipeg. They're building housing. They're helping. They have programs to help first time homeowners out, um, uh, the list kind of goes on and on of the things that uh, they've been able to do with some of this stuff. But so, yeah, a referendum for sure on, on Trudeau, but also uh, in the back of your mind, uh, what, what could happen if they lose? What, what do we go back to the, those days? So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a political junkie. I'm excited for both elections. Um, that's just how I am. But yeah, those, those would be two big things for sure. Um also, I mean, we just came from a Manitoba election. Uh, I, one of my questions I was going to ask you today, but I think I might just know it by this answer, uh, is um, APTN's national office is the headquarters is in Winnipeg. It's not in Saskatchewan. It's not in Thunder Bay, which are very much also hubs of indigeneity, the centers of indigenous life in Canada. Uh is it is it Winnipeg? Is Winnipeg the center? Is it is it that we've just seen the election of the first First Nations premier in history? Uh, Manitoba is also the first province post confederation. Um, is you know is it that Manitoba is this kind of place where it's leading in the areas of indigenous life and reconciliation? Even if I use that word, um, I mean we those are lofty great thoughts right but i mean it was only what six years ago that we were the most racist city in the world or in canada according to mclean's magazine so yeah i mean sometimes you feel like oh yeah this is um i mean electing the first first nations premier of a province um like your father said that's a true act of reconciliation there but it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I just look at what else is going on with the previous provincial government not wanting to search the landfill for, you know, murdered loved ones. The police, like, I don't think enough is said about the fact that the police a year ago when they announced this were like, yeah, we're just not, we're not going to do it. It's not feasible. It's not feasible. Yeah. But they had known about it for months. They'd known that they were probably there like months before that. I think, you know, if I were to add one thing to that, and I've said this a whole bunch of times. In fact, I wrote a column about uh, Chief Smythe uh, of the Winnipeg Police. He's the one that used the term feasible. It wasn't Heather Stephenson, former premier. He's the one that came out and said it's not feasible and then therefore led to the feasibility study and Premier Stephenson saying it's not feasible. Yeah, I, I think that, um, I mean, the PCs did themselves no favors with that campaign, but... I think it has been kind of forgotten that, like, isn't this the police's job to have gone to the landfill in the first place? And, and they don't they need knew? provincial 
input on that. I mean, the Toronto police uh, did a search of a landfill for one person and it was strategic over a period of time and, and they didn't ask for the mayor's okay. They didn't ask for the premier's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the challenge here is that uh, when we keep passing the buck, uh, but perhaps now, uh, and you'll be at the front row of this, um, do you think that APTN is going to be, you know, covering this government, this provincial government, uh, typically because our issues as First Nations, Inuit, Métis people, our number one priority is our relationship with the federal government. But now uh, you're going to be at the front row of, uh, of a provincial government led by a First Nations person. Yeah, who's also taken on the role of, you know, Indigenous relations and, and reconciliation. So we'll see what what that looks like. I think there's, um, uh, you know, I'll also point out that, you know, people would probably accuse us of like, you know, giving favorable coverage to to WAB or Premier Canoe or whatever. But I mean, we'd asked for a sit down with all of the party leaders Um during this Manitoba election, recent Manitoba election. And Dougal Lamont was the only one willing to come into APTN and, and do an interview with us. Uh, Stephenson didn't, the NDP didn't. So, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I think there's, um, I think when we did a panel a couple of weeks ago, right after they were sworn in the day after, it's like, oh, I, maybe the honeymoon's over. It's time to get to work and stuff now, right? But I don't think it is over. Like there's a lot of high hopes. There's a lot of... Uh, ceremonies being held for Wob uh in the background that the media isn't always you know invited to and stuff i think there was one in his community this past weekend but like uh, some of these other organizations have held uh ceremonies for him um because it is a, a big thing and you know that there are first nations women as well leading government cabinet posts um so yeah, I think the honeymoon is still alive and well right now. And in particular, like um, talking about um, the former Capion Barracks and the First Nations-led economic development zone that's going to go on there, uh, Nawai Odina, um, like speaking with the person heading that up on face-to-face -face last week, like there's a sense that having Lob in that office, having Premier Canoe um, can help move some yardsticks here. And uh, absolutely, uh, there's probably, speaking of yardstick moving, there's probably no one who's moved the yardstick more in than EPTN and the work that you've done. Uh, is this your plan? Is this your, uh, you know, are you going to stay there? Is this your, do you love, do you, do you love it as much as when you started? I'm sure being the anchor of a national news show is fascinating. I've also seen you during some frazzle days. <laughs> you have? Um yeah, I mean, it's a challenge, but I don't know where else uh, I would rather be at the moment. Um, like, I don't want to go tell pothole stories. It'd take the camera and, uh this street's got crazy potholes. Like, those are, if yeah, I I'm good where I am right now. <laughs> With all due respect to the pothole cover. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I want to know where the potholes are, too. I don't want to wreck my vehicle, but... Um, I've just, I don't know that there's really many bigger issues than the issues impacting Indigenous peoples in this. I mean, we're still, it, it's kind of been backburnered, the whole water situation, but I mean, we're still at dozens of communities that didn't get water that were 
you know, that was the pledge in 2015. Um, yeah, there's a lot to still, a lot of work to still do. We're seeing great things for sure. Uh, big historic moments happening, but man, and no end of work to do. Uh, and I can't tell you thanks enough for uh, you taking time out of your day as being a dad and and being a, a busy person yourself. And I'm sure yeah, your weekend time is as sacred as mine. So a big miigwech to you for your time, uh, for coming on the Negon and Lone Ranger podcast, only with Negon, no Lone Ranger. But, well, uh, Marcy, I, I, you know, we've been talking about doing this for a while, so I'm glad we did. Uh, unfortunate Dan wasn't here, but I did uh, a podcast with them for Canada Land a couple of weeks ago. So I guess we, we got to do one anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Miigwech. Well, we've reached the end of another podcast week, and I want to thank everybody for listening up to this point. And I have some disclosure. Uh, Dan's really not sitting on a beach somewhere in some undisclosed location. That's Are you just sure? Playing around a bit. Uh, Adam, I appreciate you played around too. But are you absolutely sure that he's not? You know what? I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> last I heard is that he was very ill. Oh, so God bless him. I guess we will send our love over to Dan and uh, wish him nothing but the best and hope that he comes back uh, next week for next week's pod. Uh, but a huge thanks to everybody for coming out today and uh, hearing uh, the wonderful Dennis Ward from APTN. Huge thanks to all the administration and management over at APTN for uh, encouraging and empowering uh, Dennis to come on the pod. Um, also, a huge thanks, of course, to all of our wonderful colleagues at CAG, CJNU. And Adam, is, uh, is there any plug you want to give for the pledge drive? I know that you've, uh, you're never going to accept any money after the pledge drive. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is it. We're never asking every... No, so CJNU is a non-profit community radio station. We are powered almost entirely by volunteers. I think we have four and a half staff versus 120 volunteers that make this thing happen. And uh, every year we do our fundraising drive, our pledge drive in the fall. And if you want to learn more about that, you can head to our website at cjnu.ca. There's great stuff up there, prizes, incentives, you name it. If you make a pledge to CJNU before... November 15th, you'll be able to get in on some big prize draws. And if you like what we do, we always say, please consider giving your support. So uh, we can't encourage everybody enough to support CJNU and the wonderful Adam and the great work that everybody does over in the studio there. Uh, and a huge thanks also to our colleagues at the Free Press, to Paul Simin and to Wendy Sawatsky for uploading this and continuing to support us. And we also uh, just say a big thanks to all of our families for continuing to support us in this journey of the Negon and Lone Ranger podcast. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. Miigwech. Miigwech.